Yeah, I was so excited. I thought I was next. And then I said, oh, okay, get back to your seat. Anyway, in case some of you are asking, I haven't been fired yet. So keep those prayers coming. This morning, as I was preparing to get, as I was getting ready to come here, I got a phone call, and it was my son, Dean. Dean had recently moved to Florida in May, and every time we talked to him, you know, he greeted me for Mother's Day, and he seemed sad. And then we'd FaceTime him, and he'd say, Mom, it's different. And so I'm like, oh, you're going to get used to it. You're going to get used to it. Just hang in there. But this morning, it was different. Hey, Ma! I said, what's up? What are you doing? I'm getting ready to, to go to church because I'm preaching today. Okay, it's not going to take long. It's not going to take long. And then he FaceTimed me. Ma, my sister-in-law told me about this new store. And it's as big as Costco. And it's a Korean market, Ma. And he showed me. See, Ma? Ma all the cuts of meat. All the condiments, ma, look, look how big it is. And it looked really big. And then he said, you know what? Ma, what should I buy? What grill should I buy? Because we're a big family, so we need to get something big so that, you know. And I'm like, okay, Dean, I have to go. Okay, ma, all right, all right. And then when I put the phone down, I just said, thank you, Lord. My son has found his home. A Korean supermarket. <laughs> so today, just as Dean was so excited about a Korean market, I'm so excited to give my message yeah. that even this morning I had to, you know, like, okay, shake off all the extra energy. And, you know, I also get nervous every time. So, okay. All right. We're going to do this. But let me pray for now. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. You've been here even before we came. You, you are here ahead of us. And I just thank you that you will open our eyes, our ears, and the understanding of our hearts, Lord God, and meet us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Jacob was having a dream. And in his dream, he saw a flock of sheep and goats. But there was something unusual about them because all of them were either spotted or speckled or colored. Not one of them was white. So he started counting them. And there, there must have been hundreds of them. But he didn't know that he was sleep talking and that he was counting out loud. So his wife, Rachel, who was sleeping beside him, heard him, and tried to figure out what he was saying. She tried to wake him up by shaking him, but he only started getting agitated in his dream. So she held his face in her hand and tried to calm him down, and only then did Jacob open his eyes. And when he saw it was Rachel, he let out a big sigh of relief. Because you know what? He remembered a time when he woke up from a nightmare. And it was his wedding night. He thought that he had married Rachel, the love of his life, the night before. 
But when he woke up, he saw Leah instead, the older sister. So he was so mad. His father-in-law, Laban, had tricked him again. He switched daughters on him. He had worked for Laban for seven years just to be able to marry Rachel. So he was so mad. And Laban said, okay, okay, okay. After the bridal week, I'm going to give you Rachel also on one condition. That you work for me for another seven years. And since Jacob loved Rachel, he said, okay, I'm going to work another seven years. So in total, he worked 14 years just to be able to marry Rachel. Talk about true love. Jacob had been wanting to leave his father-in-law's service and return to his homeland. But of course, Laban would not let him. Why? Because God was blessing Jacob. And as long as Jacob was in his household, he too was enjoying the fringe benefits. So he said, Jacob, stay and take care of my, of my flock. And Jacob said, okay, I'll stay, but you'll have to pay me a fee. So name it. So his fee would be all the speckled and spotted and uh, colored animals born from among Laban's flock. So it seemed like a proposition that would benefit Laban. So of course, he said, okay, I'll agree. But you see, Laban's scheming didn't matter because God would always bless Jacob anyway, no matter what. Like in this example, God had already given him advanced knowledge of which animals are going to be born due to which animals are breeding at the time. So again, Jacob got the, other, the upper hand and he became rich off of Laban as a result. Dreams are one of the main avenues that God uses to communicate with his people. He does incredible things through dreams. And we find many more examples throughout the Bible. Did you know that God gave King Solomon his legendary gift of wisdom in a dream? And you see many more examples. In the New Testament, an angel appeared to Joseph in his dream to warn them that King Herod was looking for the baby Jesus to kill him. So the angel told Joseph, go to Egypt, take the baby and Mary and go to Egypt to escape. Now, if we total up all the dreams, the visions, the stories about them and the actions that re re resulted from them, approximately a third do you believe that a third of the Bible is about these spiritual encounters? God is a communicating God. And he wants to have a conversation with us continually. Now, incidentally, the Bible uses the word visions and dreams interchangeably. We see visions when we are awake. And we dream dreams when we are asleep. So dreams are essentially visions of the night. So why am I talking about dreams today? 
because it's one of the languages that God speaks. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 to 18, we see this is the Apostle Peter speaking when the crowd accused the disciples of being drunk because they had, the, they had just received the Holy Spirit. And he said, no, we're not drunk. And then he said this, there is a prophecy in the book of Joel which says, in the last days, God says, thank you, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. The last days, it says, in the last days, so. In the last days, that be, that's being referred to here, was that day of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. It was, the, it was then that Jesus first poured out his spirit on his disciples. And since then, we have been in the last days. And the last days will end when Jesus returns. So if he says that he's going to use the language of dreams, visions, and prophecy in the last days, wouldn't you be interested in learning the language? Yeah. I would, because I wouldn't want to miss out on anything. You know, I used to be skeptical about dreams or dream interpretation. You know, dreams are subjective. So it seemed sketchy to me. I couldn't see the spiritual significance of dreams. How do I know that my dream wasn't caused by the bad Chinese food I had last night? <laughs> but now that my eyes have literally been opened to dreams as another way that God speaks, I want to be able to hear, to hear him speak to me during the day. And I also want to learn the language that he speaks at night. It makes sense, doesn't it? Why would God just speak to us when we're awake and not when we're asleep? You know how the world runs on different time zones? One part of the world, it could be day, and in another part, it could be nighttime. So what happens if I work the graveyard shift and I sleep during the day and work at night? But you know what? God is not limited by time zones. He's not limited by work schedules. You know why? Because he speaks continually. We just need to know how to tune in to his frequency. Dreams are a gateway to the spiritual realm where God lives. There is a beautiful scripture hidden in the Song of Solomon. And it goes like this. I was sound asleep, but in my dream, I was wide awake. Oh, listen, it's the sound of my lover knocking, calling. And again, on Psalm 139, verses 17 to 18, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, 
I'm still with you. We, when we are asleep, we are being connected to the very thoughts that God has of us. And according to David, who wrote this psalm, God is with us when we are asleep, and he's still with us when we awake. While our physical bodies are asleep, our hearts are very much awake and alive to the spirit. And considering the night, that in the night our analytical mind is out of the way, we have potential to receive purer revelation much more readily through our dreams. So today is going to be part two of the testimony I shared with you about a month ago about prophecy and prayer. But the funny thing is, at that time, this second part hasn't even happened yet. So, and just like how I came to discover about prophecy, the way I discovered dreams and visions is just as serendipitous. I was not looking for it. But for this, I have to refer back to my spiritual journal. And the date on my journal was June 28th. In it, I wrote about a dream. And this dream is very personal to me, so don't judge me, okay? And this is what I wrote. And by the way, in this dream, I was a young woman, okay? Not a 67-year-old grandma. Otherwise, it would be weird. <laughs> so in my dream, I had registered for a philosophy class. So on the first day of, of class, I went to look for, at the schedules that were posted on the bulletin board. The place was crowded. And as I was trying to get close to the bulletin board so I know what my classroom assignment was, I noticed this attractive, dignified-looking Asian guy. And I recognized him as one of the professors at the school. So I got my room assignment. I proceeded to go to the classroom. At the time, I didn't know he was going to be my professor. So I got to the classroom, and it looked like a big room, like a dining hall with tables and chairs around it. So I chose a table, sat on one of the chairs, and the professor chose the same table and sat in front of me. And I pretended not to notice, but I was very conscious of him. I was attracted to him, but I acted like I wasn't interested. This is a dream, okay? <laughs> At the same table, there were two beautiful women, and they were also eyeing the professor. But he didn't seem to notice them. In fact, he was more conscious of me, and it looked to me like he was attracted to me as well. So I thought to myself, I wonder what this professor would think if he finds out that I'm not an A-type student, that I'm, I'm happy being average. I bet when he, he realizes that, I imagine he would lose interest in me. So I found the thought very funny, and I laughed to myself. And then he spoke to me. He said, 
You know, this is not the first day of class yet. It's only a green class. Now, in, when I was reading my journal, I didn't know what the green class meant. So maybe it's an orientation class. And so he said, since it's not the first day of class, you can leave whenever you want. So I said, okay, I'm going to leave. So when he saw me getting up, he started to leave too. But he didn't want to make it obvious that we were leaving together. And I didn't know how that was going to be possible because he was the professor of the class. But you know, in dreams, there's some stuff that don't make sense. Yeah. So he went to get his coat. But the two beautiful women followed him and they were making a move on him. And I watched from the hallway and waited. When he was finally able to extricate himself from the women, he came to me. This time, he held me close and even held my hand for everybody to see. At that moment, I was so in love with this guy. I was reminded of the first time that I'd ever felt in love in my young life many, many years ago. And I experienced literally the same emotions, the same warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, now you're remembering. I see your smiles. The warm, warm and fuzzy feeling, the same intensity, the same desire to be with a person. That alone from that dream was a precious gift because it reminded me of how first love felt. So by this time, people were looking at us, but he didn't care. He walked me home. At home, he stayed a while, and he met my relatives. This is a very Asian thing. <laughs> we would be seated at opposite ends of the room, and we can communicate without words, just by looking at each other's eyes. So as he was getting ready to leave, I wanted to walk him back to the school. And as we passed by the gate, my father, who is my husband in my waking life, he told me, you don't have to walk him back all the way to the school. Just walk him to the gate. But as he said this, he had this teasing smile. You know, if you know my husband, if he's up to no good, he has this teasing smile and a twinkle in his eye. Because he knew I was so in love with the guy. And then the next scene was in a stadium. I was seated in the bleachers, and there was a vacant seat to my left. See how detailed my dream was? Some friends came over, and they sat around me, but they left that vacant seat. And I heard someone say, that seat is for her boyfriend. And then the professor arrived, and he sat beside me. And everyone knew that he was my boyfriend. And I was in heaven, just sitting beside him for everyone to see. And somehow in my dream, script, the scripture, John 14, showed up. And then I woke up. The alarm went on. When I woke up, I felt troubled. I felt like I was caught doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I'm like, how could I be in love with another man who's not my husband? 
And I wondered if I had any repressed feelings inside of me that was coming out through the dream. And so I prayed, God, God forgive me. But the first thing that I did was to write everything down while it was still fresh in my mind, just in case I have to refer to it later. But the dream experience shook me. I asked God, what does this mean? But I didn't want to dwell too much on it, convinced that I had sinned in my dream. A week passed. And, you know, 4th of July fell on a Sunday, so the next day was a holiday. I didn't have to work, but my husband did. So I decided I'm just going to read a book to pass the time. So I saw the book in my shelf, and it's the book Hearing God Through Your Dreams. And you know how I write the date on when I purchased the book? So in it, it showed September of 2019. Now, mind you, by this time, I had almost successfully forgotten about the dream because I kept pushing it to the back of my mind because I felt uneasy about my dream. So when I picked up the book, it wasn't because of my dream. Like, like I told you, I've almost forgotten about it. It just seemed like a good book to read and something that I could pass the time. So I read, and when I came to the second chapter, it gave an illustration. So now, just to give you an idea, and this comes from the book also. The symbols of a dream will always come from a dreamer's life. In the Bible, for example, Joseph had a dream about sheaves and the sun, moon, and stars bowing to him, right? Because these are the images that surrounded a shepherd boy who lives in the fields. So just remember that. The symbols in your dream are going to be from your life. What's ordinary to you? What's normal to you? So back to the illustration. And um, as I read it, listen carefully. So the author was telling about uh, her friend named Elena. Elena was born in Russia. So her symbols would come out of that country and that culture. And this is Elena's dream in her own words. I had a different dream the other night. There was some sort of dancing party with lots of people on the dancing floor. And I was dancing with the Russian actor all of the dances. I had a strong feeling of being safe and cared for. And I knew he would not let me go. And he would protect me from anything. His roles in the movies are usually that of a brave hero who is doing the right things like protecting the weak and fighting evil and stuff like that. What also surprised me in the dream, she continued, is that he did not care, being so famous and all, that people will see him dancing for so long with someone like me. And as we were talking, and I called him by name in my dream, I realized it is my husband's name, Michael. Now that has to mean something good. End of the dream. And this is the author, the author Charity Kayambi's interpretation of the dream. In interpreting a dream, there are, there are three basic questions that you need to ask. 
don't worry, I'm not going to go through a whole seminar or lecture, but I'm, I'm going I'm to stick to the three questions. In the dream, what was Elena doing? Okay. Elena was being chosen to dance with a strong, brave, larger-than-life hero. This is a perfect representation of God because just like the actor had done in the movies, Jesus protects us, makes us feel safe, cared for, and loved. He also does the right things, fights off our enemies, and saves the day. The second question you need to ask in dream interpretation, what was, how was she feeling? How was Elena feeling? This is the key emotion of the dream. The main emotions that she experienced were feeling safe, special, cared for, and loved, and protected. Now, the third question, in what area of her life is she experiencing a similar action or feeling? This is the setting of the dream. Elena got to experience a scriptural truth how it feels to be chosen. In addition, we may feel that we do not measure up well with Jesus, that he is totally out of our league, like a big-name celebrity actor would be. Nevertheless, he has chosen us and honored us by calling us his own. We are the bride of Christ, and he wants to have the pleasure of a dance with us. Sometimes our dreams could have many levels. Like in Elena's dream, the actor and her husband shared the same name. On one level, the dream is reminding her of how her husband, Michael, is her knight in shining armor. It's letting her see him clearly as the hero in her life. But there's another level of meaning, and it points to Jesus who is also her protector and her hero. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, it says, For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. It's also significant to note that Jesus shared her nationality in the dream. The fact that her hero, Jesus, came to her as a Russian man is profound because it showed Elena that he is just like her, that his, he understands where she's coming from and that he's been there. Lastly, the ultimate message of the dream is found in the main action in that Elena was chosen to dance with Jesus, not work for him, dance with him. And that is what God wants. He wants to dance with us, to love us, to have fun with us, and share life with us because he is the ultimate dance partner. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah. After reading this, I felt all of my uneasiness about my own dream melt away. And I couldn't help but cry. 
I felt relieved that my dream wasn't bad after all, and that in fact, it was a beautiful, beautiful love story. But you see, God responded to my confusion. He answered my questions, and he used this book and this lady's dream to directly address my issues. Now, do you want to hear the interpretation of my dream? I'm going to use the same guidelines in the book, but I don't have the author's help. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do it myself. Okay. So in the dream, what was I doing? I had registered for a philosophy class. And there I met this cute professor who is Asian. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I love Korean romantic comedies. <laughs> Well, guess what? That's where my symbols came from. <laughs> Directly from romantic Korean <laughs> comedies. So in my dream, how was I feeling? I was very much attracted to the professor. And the feeling was mutual. And he kept me close to him. And he was not embarrassed to be seen with me. We were able to communicate just by looking at each other's eyes, even without words. We were so much in love with each other. Now, in what area of my life am I experiencing a similar action or feeling? Not too long ago, I have made a decision that I'm going to spend more time with God. Whereas before, I would spend five days a week with Him towards the end of the day. And I would miss days because I'd be too tired or I'd be going somewhere. So I made a decision because I, I, I want to know you more, Lord. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. So I made a decision to spend time with him seven days a week at the beginning of the day at the same time every day. That's how hungry I was for the Lord. So this is the symbolism of the philosophy class. And guess what? Jesus was my professor. We're mutually attracted to each other. It didn't matter that I wasn't a smart student. He still loves me anyway and was proud to be seen with me. He wants people to know that we are very much in love. And there's another level to the dream just like Elena's dream. In my dream, my husband was my father, my guardian. Remember that? He knew I was in love with the professor, and he was happy for me, and he was all for it. And remember, I also said John 14 flashed in my mind before I woke up. And because I was ashamed of my dream, I tried pushing the dream back, and I'm like, I didn't want to remember it. But now that I read this, I couldn't wait to look, look up the verse. It didn't mention what verse, only mentioned the chapter. So I started reading the whole chapter, and this is what the Lord quickened in my heart. John 14, 21. It says, Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionate love passionately loves me, will be passionately loved by my father. And I will passionately love her in return. 
and will reveal myself to her. Pictures are the language of the heart. And that is the language that God speaks. That's why he uses parables. He tells stories. Now during the day, we can say God loves me with our mind. But love is not experienced in the mind. Love is experienced in the heart. In a dream, we get to experience all the emotions of being chosen, being loved, being forgiven, being understood. Dreams guide our hearts to God's emotions. They take these big scriptural mysteries and turns these abstract concepts into something that we can picture and we can feel. They let us feel the Lord's heart at night so that we can live into it and out of it even more fully all day long. My dream allowed me to feel and experience God's passionate love for me, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The dream helped move scriptural truth from my mind down to my heart. And there was another wonderful thing that happened after my dream. You know how the Bible says, pray without ceasing? So what's prayer? It's talking to God, conversing with God, communicating with God. And so now if he's speaking to us night and day, we can pray without ceasing. I don't completely understand it yet, but I understand it enough to experience the benefits of it. So wherever I go, whatever I do, Jesus comes with me. And when I sin... He doesn't let go of me. He continues to hold me close. And because he is so close, I feel his hurt. I sense his hurt. So I try not to sin. And when I do, I repent right away because I just hate hurting him. And you know how in the scripture it, it talks about how Jesus was tortured and crucified and now, every time I read that, I cry because it's personal now. They're not just talking about someone I know. They're talking about my Jesus, who even right now is holding me close. You know, the other day, I had a, I had a dental procedure done, and I was anxious. So on my way, I'm like, you have to come with me, Jesus. So Jesus came with me, and yes, there was still pain, but he was with me, and he felt it with me. So I've never had a more positive experience at the dental clinic <laughs> than that. You know, you've heard of the saying, hurt people hurt people, right? Yeah. Well, the opposite is also true. Love people love people. So when I'm hurt, and I want so much to hurt back, it's this feeling of being loved that stops me. When I feel wronged or unjustly treated or neglected, I don't have to react. When I feel disappointed with how things are working out, he holds me close 
and I just lean my head. I'm fully loved. No one can hurt me. And this is the most precious thing that dreams have done for me. And this dream is not just about a man-woman relationship. So men, don't think this is not for you. It's bigger than that. It's about the bridegroom and the bride. The bride being the church and the bridegroom being the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is just as passionately in love with you. God has not stopped communicating his love with his people. I don't know if you've heard, but something wonderful is happening in the Middle East. Record number of people in the Muslim world, world are coming to faith in Jesus because he's using powerful visions and dreams to draw people to him. You may have heard of people who have been visited in their dream by the man in white. And Jesus is touching people personally, one on one, one by one. Again, I'll say, Jesus is touching people personally, one by one. I know, because he visited me in my dream. And he made me experience his love in the most powerful and tangible way. We have been given the greatest assignment here on earth, the task of being witnesses to the gospel of the grace of God. God is moving. He's always working. He's always working to, make to let people know that he loves them. He's pursuing them. Do you need to get your act together first before he's able to use you? If this is what's stopping you, from giving yourself fully to him, the answer is no. You just need to be hungry for the Lord. Real transformation is a lifelong process, and it's the Holy Spirit who's doing it. He's the whole, it's the Holy Spirit who's working in you. It is invisible, it's passive, and it's progressive. So it's not a do-it-yourself, self-improvement project. Your only job is to fix your eyes on Jesus. And God wants to use you now, especially now that you're still a work in progress. You know why? Because as people see the positive changes in you that the Holy Spirit is doing, you become a testimony to God's grace and you become a testimony to his power to transform lives. Now, if this message, in a, in a little while we're gonna continue worshiping. So I, I asked the, the worship team to come to the front. But if this message resonated with you and God is steering your heart to want to know him more, I invite you to talk to him. And tell him, Lord, I want to have a lifelong conversation with you. And if you want, you can just stay where you are. Or you can come to the front. Because there's more room here. 
and feel free to worship him as the worship team leads us in worship. 